Oh, look at that. Wonderful. So this week is the first week of our new series, Guardrails. And Anna's already give us a brief insight. I was hoping she wouldn't go longer in case she stole what I was going to say. And she would always sound better saying that. So I'm glad she didn't steal what I was going to say. So this is our new series, Guardrails. And just to give us an idea of what this is, this is a definition of guardrails. It's a system to keep vehicles from straying into the dangerous areas or over the edge. So we've all, we all know what a guardrail is when it comes to the roads. Because we know when we're driving down, maybe it's the motorway, we see the guardrails down the side so that we don't go over on, off the road. Or we see it in the middle of the road so we don't stray into oncoming traffic. Or even if you're going over a bridge, you can't just drive over a bridge and then just drive off the edge. There's guardrails on the side of bridges so they don't drive off over the edge. So we know what a guardrail is in terms of driving. Or if you follow us on Instagram, you would have seen the video, and we showed it a few weeks ago, of the guy lying in bed, and then he rolls out and falls to the floor. I think that's one of the best promo videos ever. So we don't need a guardrail until we do. So we need it on a top bunk. Has anyone ever fallen off a top bunk? Anyone? I thought I'd seen a hand, maybe not. That's good. Hopefully you haven't fallen off a bridge or a highway either. We're hoping. So we know what a guardrail is when it comes to the road or when it comes to the bed. But what is a guardrail? Guardrail does two things. It directs us and it protects us. They, they aren't the prettiest things in the world. They're just pieces of metal that go along the side of the road or on our bed. But the main purpose for them is to direct us and to protect us. They want to direct us in the way that we should be driving. Not we. I maybe want to go into this lane. It doesn't work like that. That's why there's a guardrail so we know the direction we're going. And it protects us from going off the edge or other cars hitting us. But if you notice, guardrails are always inside the safety zone. They're not like on the edge of the cliff and be like, don't really get close. They're actually a few inches in, a few feet in, so that you're still in the safety zone and then behind that point. So I've got a picture of it here. You can see the guardrail. And then this is the danger zone. And this is the safety zone. But they've still got a good gap here of safety zone. But we don't really, we don't drive right beside the guardrail, do we? Because we might scratch the car. So we still keep away from the guardrail in the safety zone. But even if we touch the guardrail, we're still in the safety zone. And they're designed in such a way to minimize damage. Some smart people got together and made it in that way that'll minimize damage. You might have to go and get your car fixed in a garage, but you won't have to go to hospital. And if you're into Formula One, they are super smart. They spend all the money trying to work out how to make people safe. And they do the same thing around the course because these guys are flying at over 200 kilometers an hour. These guys are going quick. So if they crash, it could be the end of them. So they've created guardrails that will take the energy from the crash and it will keep people safe. So you see someone driving into a guardrail at like 200 kilometers an hour and they just walk off like nothing happened. That's because they've created it in such a way to minimize damage. So we know the benefits of it. We know what it is in terms of our car and on the road. and then, But we also need guardrails in life. Our lives need guardrails too. Our lives need guardrails too. And maybe if you think back to your greatest regret, that greatest regret might have been avoided if you had had financial guardrails. If you had guardrails set up in your life, maybe that would have not happened. Or maybe moral guardrails, relational guardrails, or personal 
guardrails. Think about that regret that you're thinking of right now. Would that have happened if you had had guardrails put up in your life so that you didn't fear off into the danger zone, but actually the guardrail directed you and protected you? And this series is to help you set up guardrails in your life so that you don't fear off into the danger zone, that you don't fear off in a direction that, frankly, you don't want to go in. But if you set up guardrails now, future regrets can be avoided, but you have to be willing to establish some personal guardrails now. might take time, and it might cost you something, but in the long run, those future regrets can be avoided. And we all want to avoid future regrets, don't we? I don't think we want to live life regretting anything. So that's why we want, to put, we want to help you set up guardrails in life that to protect us and direct us to where we actually want to go. Because if we don't know where we're going, we'll just drift and we'll end up somewhere. But guardrails help us to go in the direction that we want. And if we're Christ followers, the direction that God wants for our life. But I want to ask a question, and you might have an answer very quickly. Have you ever met someone that you later wish you never met? There's a few chuckles going on. You've met someone that you've regretted meeting. You wish, if only I'd taken the next bus. If only I'd walked across the street. If only I had slept in, and et cetera, et cetera. We all know someone that we wish we'd never met. Hopefully, you didn't have to look beside you. Hopefully, no one looked down the aisle. Hopefully, we have no one in here today. But maybe an easier question. Have you ever met someone that later you wished your husband hadn't met? That guy from work. Or what about someone that you wish your wife had never met? That girl from the pamper party and they keep spending money on perfume and makeup, all that there. I feel like I'm just fending now. (laughs) Do you ever meet someone that you wish your daughter never met? Your son had never met? Your parents had never met? We all can think of someone in our lives that we wish that we'd never met. Because that's tied up in a regret. And the truth is, it's the folks that we met that often lead to our biggest regret. It's the people that we know. It's our friends, people that are close to us. It's not normally the strangers and the people we sort of know that cause us regret. It actually turns out that it's the people that are close to us that we call friends. It's the people that we met that often lead to our biggest regret. And in most cases, we consider them friends. It's, it's so sad that sometimes we could be the best friends in the world and then something happens and then it leads to regret. It's those who we grew up with, we run with, we play with, we work with. All those people are close to us, they're friends to us, but they can lead to our biggest regrets. And the beautiful thing about friends is when we're surrounded by friends, we let our guard down. We trust them. We like them. We get along with them. So when we're with friends, we let our guard down. So we're talking about guardrails and putting guards up. But when we have friends, we let our guards down because of trust, because of respect, and because of love. And that relationship has the power to do good, but also has the power to do bad. When we let our guards down with our friends, that can lead to good things or that can lead to bad things. And I'm sure we've seen or experienced how friends can lead us in one direction or the other. 
Like it's a beautiful thing having great friends. Life is better with friends. Life is so much better when we have people to do life with. We have connect groups and we put such a huge emphasis on connect groups in Lighthouse Church because they're so important because we believe life is better connected. Life is so much better with friends. And I know that firsthand because me and my wife don't have a house, but we have good friends. And our friends are letting us live with them until we find a house. Who wants friends like that? When you're stuck, when you're in need, you have friends like that to help you out. But it also has the power to do bad. Our friends are the ones that might lead us to pain. They might lead us to regret. They might lead us in a direction that, frankly, we just don't want to go in. So because our guards are down, that could be good. But we also need to be wary that that could also be a bad thing. And you might be thinking, right, we're talking about our friends. It's getting very personal here. This may sound judgmental. You might think, you can't say that about my friend. You don't know my friends. You don't really know them. They're going through a tough time. And we make excuses sometimes. And we think, you might think this is going to be a judgmental message today, saying your friends are bad. Don't hang around with them. Find perfect people. We're not judging anyone. But actually, today, we want to encourage you to use good judgment. And there's a difference between judgment and good judgment. So firstly, what is being judgmental? Judgmental is when I draw a critical or harsh conclusion about you. I, see the way they bring up their kids? Or did you see the way they reacted like that? We make a harsh criticism on them. Oh, I, I wouldn't do it that way. And you set yourself up as judge. And you put yourself in that mindset that you can judge other people. So judgment is you judge other people, but good judgment is this, is when I draw conclusions about myself based on wisdom. So judgment is you're judging people, but good judgment is when I conclude about myself based on wisdom. Basically saying, or not saying, I wouldn't do it that way, but actually saying, drawing conclusion on myself, wisdom, I want to do it this way because these are my values. So good judgment is, I want to live this way, not because I judge how other people live, but actually good judgment is wise and full of wisdom. Being judgmental assumes about the other person. Using good judgment knows what I should do. So we're not trying to tell other people how to live. We just want to live the way that we want to live. And sometimes we can't live the way we live because we fear off. And that's why we put guardrails up so that we live the way we want to live and the, gui- the guardrails give us guidance and protection and help. And you might know this from being young. Anyone ever thought their parents were judgmental? Our parents were paranoid. They wanted to know what we were up to and who you were hanging out with. Oh, I'm going to the shop. Who are you going with? Oh, I'm going out to play. Who are you with? They were paranoid. They wanted to know everything about who you were hanging out with. Don't hang out with that kid. <laughs> Don't hang out with that family. And we always thought, my parents are so judgmental. They don't even know my friends. They don't know the goods in them. They give me a bag of sweets. So they're the best person in the world. How could they do wrong? Because they've given me a packet of sweets. And we're so, we think our parents are judgmental. Our parents wrap us in bubble wrap. They think that life is difficult. And they think, don't hang around with them. Don't do this. Don't do that. And they're so paranoid. But then you've grown up You've got older, you have kids of yourself, and now you're paranoid-er. 
You're more paranoid than your parents were about you. And why is that? Because you remember you when you were young. You remember what you were like. You remember what you got up to and you said, I don't want that for my kid. So we now get into that mindset of, actually, our parents weren't being judgmental. They were using good judgment because they wanted you to live a certain way, that you would be a great citizen, that you would be a lovely person, kind and generous. And now you see what your parents seen, that actually you're not being judgmental, but you don't want, you want your kids that God has given you as a gift and you want them to live a certain way. So you're using good judgment and wisdom. And it's so funny how the pattern returns because we are, our parents were paranoid, but we're paranoid-er. Because when you were, you remember you when you were young. And because we know that our friends determine the direction and quality of our life. And we, I say this in youth all the time, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Who you run with is where you run to. And we use that all the time. And as parents, you probably tell your kids this. It's important who you hang around with. If you get into the wrong crowd, you'll end up here and you'll end up there. But it's the same for us. This isn't just for young people. This isn't just for kids. Your friends right now, whether you're 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, right up to whatever age, your friends determine the direction and quality of your lives. And this is something we forget about when we age out of youth. Ah, I've got my friendship, gro- my friendship group sorted for life. That's me. But actually, this is a continuous thing that we need to keep doing. When we get a new job, we'll need to make sure our friends determine the direction and quality of our life. In a new neighborhood, maybe you've moved to Ireland. Maybe you're going to move from Ireland. Whatever that may be, our lives change. Our friendship groups change. So we can't just leave it and be like, right, I was a young person. I got through school. I sorted my friends out. But actually, still today, our friends determine the direction and quality of your life. I have good quality friends, but I've also had bad quality friends. And the bad quality friends are leading me in a direction that I don't want to go to. I'm not saying that they're wrong. I'm just saying that's not the direction that I want. But they determine the direction and quality of our life. So exercising good judgment is so important. We can't just drift through life, seeing where life will take us. We need guardrails and good friends that will lead us to a better quality of life. The very thing that makes friendships wonderful are the very things that make them harmful. Because when we're with friends, we drop our guard because we trust them. So when we drop our guard, our friends can speak certain things over our life. They can give us ideas. They can give us a a new perspective because our guard's down. We also crave acceptance. And acceptance leads to influence. And our friends can influence us in the wrong ways. Maybe you remember your first cigarette when you were a child. Or your first drink. That your friends were like, here, try that. And you thought it was cool and they were leading you that way. Because as a child, you want to... You just want to be cool. Or maybe as adults, that we still crave acceptance. We don't grow out of this. We all want to be accepted. But acceptance means that we'll be influenced by people. And if we're influenced the wrong way, that can lead us down the wrong path. And we want to become whatever people want us to be. We, want, we just want to shapeshift. We just want to be, make other people happy so that we feel happy and we feel accepted and we feel 
that we have friends. So this is a beautiful thing. We can drop our guard with our friends. We can be open and honest. Tell them how we really feel. That's a great thing. We can bounce ideas off them. It's amazing. But on the other side of that, if we drop our guard, they can have input into our lives that might not be healthy. And it's a beautiful thing to be accepted. You are accepted here. We want you to be here. It doesn't matter what you believe. It doesn't matter where you belong. We want you here. And you're accepted here. No matter what age you are, no matter where you've come from, no matter what job you have, you are accepted. And that's a beautiful thing. But when you crave it, it leads to influence and that can become negative. And again, we want to be whatever people want us to be. We know that God has a plan for your life. And it's a beautiful thing that God tells us that he has an incredible plan for each of us. And it's great to have a plan, but when we're trying to become someone else, that's when the negative side kicks in. There's a neuroscience. We're going to get deep now. Okay, I'm going to show off a little bit. There's a neuroscientist from Northwestern University called Moron Creef. Right? He's looking well there in that nice uh, seat. But uh, we're looking at neuroscience. Okay, so actually before our attitudes change and before our actions change, do you know our brainwaves change? So this guy has been studying... um, decision-making for the last 10 years. And he's discovered that when we're around people, our brain waves soon become identical. So he says this. He says, the more we study engagement, we see that time and again, that just being next to certain people actually aligns your brain with them. So look to the left. Look to the right. And as you're sitting with them, your brain, your brain waves are aligning with them. And it's just happened right now because you're all listening to my voice. It's now going into your head. We've all laughed together. So we're now, our brain waves are merging together. So there could be people in this room you don't even know and your brain waves are merging with them. So before we actually do anything, just being close to people changes the way we think, changes our brain waves. And it goes on to say, if people want to maximize happiness and minimize stress, Anyone want that? Just some people. Does anyone want maximum happiness and minimum stress? Yes. They should build a life that requires fewer decisions by surrounding themselves with people who embody the traits they prefer. So if you hang around with people that embody the traits you prefer, because your brainwaves will soon go that way, you'll have to make less decisions. Because if you hang around with generous people, That will soon get into you. So you don't have to make the decision to be generous. That will just come naturally. Or if you're around kind people, sooner or later that will get into your head. And you won't have to think about being kind. That will just be natural to you. And he goes on to say, lastly, over time they naturally pick up on those desirable attitudes and behaviors. So if you spend time around with them, you'll get those great attitudes and great behaviors. But as we've already seen, that works on the other hand as well. Over time, they'll naturally pick up those undesirable attitudes and behaviors. So depending on who you're with, you can pick up their good attitudes and behaviors, or you can pick up their bad attitudes and behaviors. Maybe you've got someone young and they're still trying to work out the English language, and they let out a word that you don't want them to say. Where did you hear that word? Oh, I've, I've, I've picked it up because my friend's parents say that. And, we, and they pick it up because they're around all the time. Then they soon 
say it. And that's not, if they want to say that, that's fine. But for my kids, I want them to be kind. I want them to be living this way. So that's why they have guardrails up in place. So over time, we'll either pick up desirable or undesirable attitudes and behaviors because we all know our friends determine the direction and quality of our lives. And I want to bring it to a verse in Proverbs thirteen twenty, And even before we really knew science, even before we looked at the brain, a man called Solomon wrote the book of Proverbs. And you might not know Solomon, but you might know his dad, who's David. And there's a large chunk of the Bible all about King David. King David defeated Goliath. He went into armies and he made the temple. And he'd done so many things in the Bible. And he had a son called Solomon. And God said to Solomon, there was an amazing request. He said, you can have whatever you want. It's like an all-you-can-eat buffet. You can have whatever you want. Do you want riches? Do you want the biggest house in the world? Do you want power? What is it you want? And Solomon answered, I want wisdom. So Solomon asked God for wisdom. So God gave him wisdom. And we see through the Bible the wisdom of Solomon. And we see how wise Solomon was. And he's one of the wisest men ever to live. So he compiled a group of Proverbs. He compiled a book. Just like Proverbs we have today. Like a simple proverb. Like people in glass houses shouldn't throw stones. So a simple proverb that we have in our everyday life. There's Irish proverbs. Each country will probably have their own different Proverbs to live by. Don't throw stones in glass houses. Simple things like that that have a message behind it. So basically Solomon, with all his wisdom, compiled these Proverbs into a book in the Bible that God gave him to say. So I want to focus on one of them that he gives to us. Found in Proverbs thirteen twenty, and it says, Walk with the wise and become wise. It's pretty simple. Walk with the wise and without trying and without working at it, and without our brain waves, really, we become wise. Solomon didn't know about the brain and how our brain waves align and how when we're around people, we pick up their attributes and behaviors. But he says, when you walk with the wise, you don't need to work at it. You don't need to try. You just become wise simply by being with them. So there's power in spending time with people. A wise person knows today's decisions are connected to tomorrow's outcomes. So they know that everything that they do today will affect their tomorrow. Everything they did yesterday has affected their today. And wise people know this. That's what makes them wise. And we all know wise people in our lives. They make wise decisions. They've made wise choices in their lives because they know that today's choices are connected to tomorrow's outcomes. So he finishes, Solomon finishes this proverb. So you walk with the wise, you become wise. And the second half says this, a companion of fools suffers harm. What is a fool? So we're looking at walk with the wise, become wise. Someone who is foolish is careless. They don't care. They just wander around. Whatever happens, happens. Whatever decisions I make today won't affect. So a foolish person thinks my today's decisions are not connected to my tomorrow's outcome. Because they're careless. They don't care. So whatever I do today, it doesn't matter. But what they fail to see is that it's connected to tomorrow, connected to their future. Friends who aren't careful about their lives aren't careful about your lives either. Our friends aren't careful with their life. They won't be careful about yours. 
And we read the proverb again, walk with the wise and become wise. So you would think, right, walk with the unwise, you become unwise. But actually, it's a lot worse than that. It says, walk with the fool and you suffer harm. So it's a lot worse than just becoming unwise. You suffer harm. Because friends who aren't careful about their lives, don't be careful about your life. Friends that aren't careful about their marriage, aren't careful with your marriage. Friends that aren't careful with their finances, aren't careful with your finances either. And if you're not careful, you can catch the shrapnel from your friends' bad decisions. Just because of proximity, just because of being close to them, we can catch the shrapnel. We can be affected by our friends' bad decisions. Maybe you've been stung by a friend because of their bad decisions. You haven't necessarily done anything wrong, done anything bad, but being in proximity to that friend, you've hit the shrapnel of their life. Again, remember being in school and you were with your group, the table that you sat with, and there was always the chatty kid in the corner. Maybe that was you. Or maybe you just sat at the table next to the chatty kid, but you always got shouted at because you were at the table. You didn't do anything wrong. You didn't say anything. But by being close to this person, you always got in trouble. And in my previous church, I grew up there. I was there for 26 years. I was born on the Tuesday, went to church on the Sunday, then kept going to church on the Sunday, and then worked there for five years, and then decided to come and join Lighthouse because I've heard of all the incredible people at Lighthouse. But in my previous church, I had a friend that I grew up with. So there was me and him. If he'd done something wrong, I was always shouted at as well because we were friends. But when I did something wrong, he was automatically blamed too because we came in a pair. And sometimes, yes, we got in trouble as a pair. But if we got in trouble individually, I got in trouble too. And he got in trouble too when I got in trouble. So because of our close proximity, we can catch the shrapnel from our friends' bad decisions. So we need to be careful with who we surround ourselves with because that leads to danger. Because bad friendships can lead to danger and danger needs guardrails. So I want to talk about five red flags that should light up our conscience. Five red flags. So when we are thinking these things, we should be thinking, that's a red flag. I need a guardrail. I need to be thinking about this because Danger requires a guardrail. So the first red flag is this. When it dawns on you that your core group isn't moving in the direction that you want for your life. So when you're sitting around with all your friends and you might have similar jobs, you might have similar likes and dislikes, but if you notice that you're not moving in the same direction, that should be a red flag. You're not trying to tell them how they should live their life, but you know the direction that you want for your life. So we're not being judgmental. We're using good judgment because we know the direction we want for our lives. And again, I feel, like I'm, I feel like I'm throwing it back to school because in school, I had a group of friends and they lived in the same street as me and we all grew up together, all went to school. And we were close until maybe about 15, 16 and you're getting close to that 18 years old and you're an adult and you can drink and you can do whatever you want. But as 15-year-olds, I looked around, we played football together. We went to school together. We hung out together. We lived together. We were friends. It was amazing. We were having fun. But I noticed that we weren't moving in the same direction. 
What started as smoking paper, like just an A4 sheet of paper, rolling it up, lighting it on fire, and inhaling paper? Like, it was something silly. But that led to harder drugs. So I was noticing, well, right, they're, they're starting to do this. So I noticed a pattern. And then they started drinking, like, really cheap drink that you could get off a carryout. And then they started drinking more and more. And that was their lifestyle, even though they were 15. So I noticed that, yes, we're all having fun. Yes, we all play football together. We all live together. We all have similar traits. They weren't going in the direction that I wanted to go. So I had to make the decision to put guardrails up and say, yes, they can still be my friends, but I'll have to hang out with them less because they're leading me in a different direction. If I kept hanging out with them, I could have started with paper, could have went to a cigarette, could have went to harder drugs, could have went to legal drugs, just like most of them did. So when it dawns on you that your core group isn't moving in the same direction that you want for your life, that should be a red flag for you to flag up. What guardrails do you need to put in place so that you're going in the direction that you want to go in? Second red flag is this. When you catch yourself pretending to be someone you're not. Have you ever caught yourself on? Why did I say that? Why am I dressed like this? Why am I going to this show? Have you ever caught yourself on? Why am I pretending to be someone you're not? Maybe you've had a conversation with friends and you've disagreed with them. But you find your head nodding along with them. But inside you're disagreeing with them. But inside you completely disagree with them. And we're pretending to be someone we're not. And I want to say to you today, if you're pretending to be someone, you don't have to be. Because you're loved. You're accepted. You're unique. We don't want another copy of someone. We want you. We want you to be you. It's tiring trying to be someone else. What would they say in this situation? What would they dress like? What would they do? We want you. You're the best version of you. I don't want you to be me. I don't want you to be Pastor Jamie. I don't want you to be anyone here. I want you to be you because you're loved and you're accepted. And God tells us that he has a plan for you. Not a copy plan of someone else. Not a plan to be someone else. He has a plan for you. You're unique. You're loved. And we want you here at Lighthouse Church. That's a red flag. When you catch yourself when inside, you disagree. But then you're nodding away. And you try and be someone else. That is a red flag. You're going in the wrong direction. So that should be a red flag. What guardrails can you put up? Thirdly, when you feel pressure to compromise on your values. The people you surround yourself with, are you, are, do you feel pressure to compromise your values? And there's a difference here. So, we're not, so we've looked at how the guardrail's in the safety zone. If you have compromised your values, that is the danger zone. So you're too far gone already. But the red flag is when you feel pressured to compromise. So you're hitting the guardrail but you're still in the safety zone. So you might not have done anything wrong. You might not have compromised your values, but it's a red flag to tell you that you're feeling a pressure to compromise those. Maybe there's something that was never a temptation for you, but now it's a temptation for you. Something that you said, I will never do that, and now it's a possibility. Who is it that you're surrounding yourself with that you feel pressure to compromise your values? 
And we all have our own different values. And it's the worst when we compromise our values for other people. Imagine you valued integrity and honesty. And your friend said, oh, will you lie to me? It will get me X amount of money. Or it will help me do this. It will help me do that. That's going to put pressure on you to compromise your values. So do you give in to that? Maybe you don't the first time. Maybe you do four or five times after asking. Where is it that you feel pressured to compromise on your values? That should be a red flag. When you're saying to yourself, I feel pressured to compromise my values around these people. That's a red flag that we need to look at. Our next red flag is this. When you catch yourself thinking, I'll go, but I'll not participate. Now this think, you have a child, your child comes to you, or your niece and nephew, or your granddaughter, or whoever it is in your life, a younger sibling, comes to you and says, there's an amazing house party, there's going to be cute boys, there's going to be maybe some drugs in the corner, there's going to be drink, there's going to be this, I'll go, but I'll not participate. Who's going to say yes? We won't buy that off our children. We won't buy that off our siblings, our nieces, our nephews, our grandchildren. But we buy it off ourselves. I'll go, but I'll not participate. So we won't buy it from our kids, but we buy it for ourselves. And what starts with, I'll go and not participate, because we spend time with people, our brainwaves, and we get those attitudes and we get those undesirable things. What will be, I'll go and participate, won't participate, is I'll go and watch. I'll go and think. And then I'll go and do. So it might start with, I'll go but not participate. And again, that's still in the safety zone. You haven't done anything. But what starts with hitting the guardrail, if there's no guardrail, you'll go and you'll not participate. Then if there's no guardrail, well, I'll go and think about it. And there's still no guardrail, so I'll go and just take part. But because the guardrail's not there to bump us into the direction that we want to go, we'll catch ourselves thinking, I'll go, but I'll not participate, which will lead to I'll go and participate. So that's a red flag. If you're saying, I'll go somewhere, but I'll not take part in what they're doing. That's a red flag. We should be thinking about, if I don't have a guardrail in place, that will lead to I'll go and end up participating. So this is still in the safety zone. You haven't done anything. But the guardrail will keep us in the direction that we want to go. And our last red flag is this. When you hope that the people you care about don't know your whereabouts. And that whereabouts, you might not be doing anything wrong. You might not be doing anything illegal. You might not be doing, you might not be being unfaithful. You might not be doing anything wrong. You might still be in the safe zone. But this is the start of a lie. Because we're ready to lie to someone about our whereabouts. And yes, we might not be doing anything wrong, but this is where the lie starts. So where it wasn't in the danger zone, if there's no guardrail there, we'll lie about our whereabouts again. And then eventually we'll wander off into the danger zone. But when we have guardrails, they protect us and direct us. So they'll direct us in the way that we want to go. So if you hope that people that you care about, don't know your whereabouts. That's a red flag. Is there somewhere that you lie about going? Yes, now it might be okay. Might be, you might still be in the safe zone. You might not be doing anything. 
But what will that lead to if there's no guardrails in your life? And there's so many people, maybe in this room, and there's so many people in Dublin 15, in Ireland, in Europe, that have woke up this morning, they're getting ready, they've looked in the mirror, and they've asked themselves the question, how did this happen? How did I end up here? How did I end up with these friends? How did I end up in this job? How did I end up in this situation? How did I end up with this person? How did this happen? I want you to know your life is too valuable to be hijacked by other people's bad decisions. I don't want your life to be hijacked, not because of something you've done, but because of other people's bad decisions. When we're surrounding ourselves with the wrong people that maybe don't value what we value, or have those undesirable traits and attributes, we will slowly become them and we'll be hijacked by their bad decisions. Because you could go up to them and they say, oh, will you do this wee job for me? And because you're the friend, you go with them. And that decision that they made, and you feel like you're a friend and you'll go with them, can lead to a bad decision. And that can, that's too valuable. Their decision has hijacked your life. It's the shrapnel from their life. So what we need to do is install relational guardrails that will direct us and protect us. Because you are important. Your life is important. And I don't want you to wake up and say, how did I get here? Because we've just feared off into wherever we've been led to go. Because we haven't got guardrails. But if we have guardrails, they will direct us and protect us. So if we are going in the wrong direction, we want to go this way, and we're being led to go this way. If we have guardrails, yes, we might hit it every now and again. Yes, we might stumble into it, but they will bring us back to the direction that we want to go. So are you going in the direction that you want to be going in? Are you going the way that you wanted to go or do you find yourself lost? Do you find yourself hopeless because you've just let yourself wander without guardrails? And these red flags that I've I've highlighted this morning weren't red flags for you and you've just let yourself wander and you've got off direction, you've got off the track. Maybe you're lost. We need to install relational guardrails that will help direct and protect you. And the sad thing is we have all seen this played out. We have seen our friends join another friendship group or get into a relationship and it's ruined their lives. That they had so much potential, but they never lived up to it. And that's why I love being a part of our youth ministry because I grew up in youth and I seen my friends make terrible decisions all because of the friends and people they were hanging around with. And I want to keep encouraging our young people and your young people that show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Where you're, who you're running with is where you're running to. And that's the same for us. And I hope today that you haven't looked at this 
through the lens of, this would be great for my kids. I wish my friends were here to listen to this. I want you to see this through the lens of your life, of your friends, of where you find yourself. Are you lost? Jesus wants to welcome you home. Our friends determine the direction and quality of our life. Friends are great. We've already said that. Life is better connected. Life is great when we have friends. They can pick us up when we're down and do all the great things in life. We can share memories with, but they can also be bad for us too. So it might be hard setting up guardrails. might be a little bit awkward. You might keep bumping into them just until you get your direction. It's like when a toddler starts to walk, they keep maybe bundling, stumbling into the wall. But eventually they'll know how to get going and they'll go in the right direction. So when we set up these guardrails, it might be a little bit awkward, might be a little bit time consuming, but it might cost us something, but it will set us up for the win and it'll direct us and protect us. We need to use good judgment and wisdom. This isn't about judging people and saying the way they live is wrong. But it's using good judgment and wisdom and saying, that's not how I want to live my life. This is the way that I want to go. And it will cost you something. I've had friends that I've had to let go. Yes, I still keep in contact with them, follow them on Instagram. But I don't, I'm not in close proximity to them. Because the direction that they wanted to go, I didn't want to go. And do you know what that meant? Being alone for maybe a year in school. Because I didn't want to hang out with those friends. And it made me lonely for a year. It made me upset for a year. It made me look a bit weird for a year. But in that year, I found new friends that brought me into the direction that I wanted to go. And the direction that I want to go is anywhere that God leads me. And the only way that I can do that is because I have good friends that follow Jesus with me. So to come to Lighthouse, I'm originally from Belfast. I had to leave my family. I had to leave my hometown. I had to leave my job. My wife had to leave her job. We had to leave our home. We don't currently have a house. We're living with friends. Anna didn't have a job until recently. And why would I do that? Because I want to follow Jesus. But it sounds very difficult. But because I have guardrails in place when it gets hard... My guardrails are in place and they'll direct me and protect me. Because years ago, I set up these guardrails to say the end goal is to do whatever Jesus tells me to do. But he said to give up your house. Ah, no, I'll buy out. But I can't buy out because I've put the guardrails in place. I've got friends in place to encourage me, to build me up and to bring me forward. And you don't do this because you don't love your friends. You do this because you love them. And perhaps they'll maybe need you one day. You're not doing this to just get rid of them. And you're saying, oh, I'm better than you. Actually, it's making sure that you're going the direction that you want to go in. If you're a Christ follower, the direction that God wants you to go in. And they may need you. In that healthy position that you are with your guardrails in life. To protect you and guide you. And as I close, I want to just ask, are you lost? Do you feel like your head's just spinning and you don't know where you're going in life? 
You feel like you have more unanswered questions than you do answered questions. I want to let you know that Jesus offers direction. There's this amazing verse in the Bible. And Jesus is talking to a big group of people. And he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And that's an invitation that Jesus throws out today. Are you lost? Do you not really know where you're going? Do you have so many unanswered questions? He is the way. He is the truth. And he is the life. He can offer you life today. So if you find yourself in the danger zone, the most incredible thing about God's love is he can pick you up and set you on the right path again. You could be so far away from the guardrail, so far away from the safe area, but God will pick you up and bring you right on track again. And yes, we struggle as Christians sometimes. We struggle and we sometimes want to go off the path, but when we have good friends around us, when we have guardrails around us, we can keep the path because guardrails direct and protect us.